Hello, welcome back everyone to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. Looking forward to taking your question or comment about anything along the social work and mental health field. The number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Now, I'd like to start off till we get some of your questions or comments is an interesting question. And, Harvness, I'd like to hear what you say about this because I think it is, I think we can figure out a lot from the person that asked the question just by the question. But the issue is questions as follows. How do I deal with my three-year-old daughter growing up with boys, and she insists she wants to be a boy? She wears a yarmulke and sits us only at home and begs to have a haircut and pay us. Harav Nissen, what would you say to that? It's age-appropriate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and wouldn't you make the assumption this is probably also a first-time parent asking this question? Possible could be that they have only boys in the family also, you know. That's and right, and this is all of a sudden the first girl. Yes. That's right. So when we say it's age-appropriate, it does not mean that they want to be a boy. They don't even understand the concept of a boy and girl. All they do get the concept is that I want to look the same like everyone else. I want to have what everyone else has. And when someone else has payas, or someone else has got a yarmulke, and someone else has got tzitzis, then I also want to wear it. Why should I be any different? Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I think that uh, each, each parent that has a boy and girls mixed up, they know that definitely it's period of their ages that they want to look like the brother and the sister. And most of the time, it, it's all the time, I would say, that it's, it's a rich a certain point. That she, she is or is going to the kindergarten or the cheder and stuff like this. Is everything changed? And uh, naturally, it's come the hormones and everything that playing the games and HaKadosh Baruch Hu create us differently. Yeah, but at these young ages, just to tell the parents, be relaxed, you're normal, everything is okay, and all you have to do is just tell the kid, you want to be a boy, you can be a boy, you want to wear it like you're putting on the yarmulke, or you just say, you're a girl, we do other things. And it can be we wear the skirt, we bake, we do this, or we do that, everything you know, works out, along, works, works out along those lines. That's the focus that we focus on. Yeah. But, uh, great. We'll go take over here another text. As we know, we would like to take your questions and comments. So the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your questions. So here's a text that we got. I married for 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 four and a half years, and I still can't bring myself to be able to, let's say, sing in front of my husband to tell him some stuff. I feel self-conscious, even though I think I sing very well. How can I bring myself to do that? Um, yeah, this question is, I would like to sort of change the question a little bit different. And this is someone that we're married for four and a half years, and we're feeling uncomfortable to be many times with one with another. What could that be? And I'd like to recognize what that can be several times, which means it's normal when a couple gets married, you're two different people, and you're getting to know each other. That is very normal. But then it gets to a point when you already get comfortable with each other. You know you can speak. After four and a half years, you've already been around your parents, his parents. You've, you're in coil, you're learning better, you cooked better, you burnt a supper once. 
he didn't get up once, whatever it should be, you've seen everything. Then what happens if you still have it for four and a half years, then the next step is that, and you're still having difficulties, there are several points. Point number one is, do you suffer from anxiety? means if you suffer hardness, what would you say to this? If someone is married for four and a half years and is still feeling uncomfortable in front of their spouse, a husband or a wife, what would you say that means? I think it's, uh, first of all, again, uh, it's very difficult to, to, uh, to see what, what the other stuff that they not feel comfortable. You know, you just, uh, as they, they, have, they have children, uh, they, you know, as a daily uh, speaking each other, you know, they're talking about yeah. things. This That's is something right. that I think that uh, as men and wives supposed to be really one a part of this. That's not uh, nothing to be. It's a best friend is the is my wife, and I think that I'm a best friend of my wife, and I think that's very important to to establish this kind of connection. And uh, as the Torah said that you know, ish it's it's. It's a, a complete unit, and I think yeah. that uh, it's definitely. I think it's a, a kind of limitation of kind of a shame, you know, something, you know, mm-hmm. things that you usually don't talk about public, and you know, it's, it's normal. It's very normal, yeah. even after 35, 40 years uh, with marriage, as kind of you know, each of us as his own privacy, intimate uh, stuff. But uh, I, I, you know, just to break the day, let's try to talk about things, you know, and come close to that, the, your spouse and uh, see what you can do. Right. So what we're understanding is that it's normal after a certain level to start getting closer. Now, if someone's having a difficult time to do that, it can be several points. There could be one level where there's, let's say, anxiety and a certain fear. There could also be another level that in their childhood, Let's say in their parents, they might not have seen their parents very close to one another, and therefore they might have been afraid that there's going to be a fight or there will be a disagreement if someone shares their weakness. There could also be another part, and that is that many times when people have opened themselves up to friends, they were ridiculed, they were made fun of, and therefore you might be afraid to open up. could also be that maybe your spouse is a little bit of a tough person, and therefore that can explain some of the reasons why you're afraid. This is just so general. That's a difficulty when we get a text question, why it's so hard to answer that. So we're going to go now to a caller. We're going to go to Mrs. W. And the number to call in, for those of you who are still looking to take the questions and comments, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And Mrs. W., you're on with Mordechai and Herav Nissen. Hello, yes, hi. Uh, I'd like to ask you a little bit of business question. Let's go ahead. Let's try to hear it. Yeah. I listen to your phone line, most of all your calls, the 63 um, lectures you have. Yeah. And because I'm an entrepreneur, they call me an entre- entrepreneur, I listen to your um, the 10, ten ways. Um, I listen to Yiddish to Ashiris. Yeah. And... Um, I listened to a few, all of all of the business-related um, le- lectures. I listened a couple of times. Thank you. And I I'm did honored. get a lot of chizik of it, and it helped me a lot to pull through the first few years. Yeah. Um, so now we are with. Uh, I went to a business coach. Okay. I am working with him already, uh, about a year. 
Yeah. And um, it came to a point um, that he decided that he said that I'm not that business leader I need to be. So I guess um, that I'm missing I'm missing some component that a business leader needs to make things right. And which um, point, which component does he feel you're missing? Um, what I feel is, um, first of all, I'm not a very organized person. Okay. I'm more like the ADD type of person, jumping yeah, so from one project to the, the entrepreneur. next. entrepreneur. That's the dreamer. That's the person that has the ideas. Most entrepreneurs have lots of ideas, but they're not good at grounding it. Yes. Yes, and then um, I'm also sometimes, uh, when it comes to the workers, I'm too gentle on them. Yes. So being assertive, being able to, yes, that's classical, by the way. That's, that's very normal for a business owner to have these difficulties. Mm-hmm. So um, my husband is very good at strategizing. So he said he, he needs to do the strategizing and organizing. Uh, my question is, um, he feels that I'm never going to get it. My question is, if, it, if it's a thing that I will learn with the years, or it's, it doesn't pay to put the effort in the things that I'm not good at and just hire someone else to do it. Okay, that's a fantastic question. Let's identify why the question is so great. The reason why it's so great is because we all have mylas. Every nature has its myla. Every nature also has its chasarin, its weakness. So let's take for an example. Let's say you're an entrepreneur. You dream big in businesses, and you might be able to make connections. However, what happens is you might have a shortcoming, which usually happens. Those that dream big have a difficulty with details. So there are those people that are great that love helping everyone. What they have a difficulty is being assertive. And what's interesting is I've, when they had the Nefesh Conference, that's the organization where the therapists, where the from therapists get together, there was an overwhelming number of therapists, which generally in the past, let's say up until 10 years ago or 15 years ago, most therapists were women, they were married to accountants. That means that here the therapist is so emotional, but they're accountant. They were married to people that use very little emotion, and the two together could now run a house. You need the husband for the husband's stuff, and you need the wife for the emotional stuff. So that balance of power is something that worked out very well. And there are several points now to your question. So your question is, does each person, should they in a team focus on their strength, or do they also need to learn how to master some other points from the other areas that they're not that good at? Correct? That's your yes. question. Yes. And I believe that the answer is both. Hello, I Which don't hear you. What? I didn't hear you. I don't know. If I believe that we need to utilize both components. That means... And that's one of my huge focuses when I work on Shalom Bayis between a couple, when we work on improving the marriage. What we want to focus on is about recognizing that the other spouse has a strength that I need to learn, which means your main strength is being an entrepreneur, finding businesses, coming up with the ideas, making the connections, doing the whole whirlwind. You also need to be able to manage the employees. But if you're having a difficult time and you're getting stuck on that, hire someone else, have someone volunteer, a family member help you out, whatever it should be. And while they are managing it, you could learn to manage it. So I could mm-hmm. share with you my very own business. I just had to hire a manager, even though I was doing it all, but I needed someone else. There was just a lot of managing going on that took away from my efforts. 
So I am a clinician, means I work with people. I am the manager's manager, means I need to, he discusses things with me. But the day-to-day decisions, I had to remove. I had to take myself and create a little space. Now, is it because I can't manage? I could manage. I've been managing for all these years. Did I always have different people helping me? Yes. On the other hand, are there a lot of difficult stuff happening that take energy and that exhausts me, and I found myself not having a break at all? Yes. So does that answer your question how every one of us need to be able to do something? Let's say your manager takes a week off. You've got to be able to manage without the manager. But is yeah, that where I, you want to put your energy in? Um, I don't know. That, that's why I, uh, I also did uh, more fundraising type of um, project. And my family members, one was saying, um, I'm, I'm not the organized person. So she said, you stay what you are and just, take, just hire someone to organize you. That's because right. You have the What's ideas. your difficulty with hiring someone? Why are you not doing that? Um, I, and now I did, but my question is, if I should focus on me, myself, organizing, or I'm fine as I am and just focus on the other part? That was my question. Well, let me, let's take it emotional, because it sounds like you have your answer. What do you really think you should do? I, think I feel I I'm going to learn it from the, like the years. That's that what have. I feel. I think you know the answer. You just don't like the answer that you're hearing. What are you hearing in your own mind? What do you think you should be doing? I need to step back a little and organize myself, and then... And what's your problem with that decision? Because it's hard to step back. That's right. So letting go. That's the biggest fear that an entrepreneur, that a business owner has. When we need to let go, it is a huge pain on us, a great, great, great pain for us when we got to let go. Let go in what way are you talking whatever about? Whatever letting go means. Whatever letting go means to you. Taking a step back. What does taking a step back mean to you? Um, when I get a customer, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go ahead and take the customers before I'm organized. Okay. So that means stepping back. Letting go means things will not go the way you want. Things will happen the way they happen. And that means you won't be able to take every single customer. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder if part of your other message is that you should be able to hire a manager and let the manager manage while you can do your entrepreneurship. It's true, but what I feel is that I need to be organized in order my manager should be able to learn from now, me what happens if you what have you a manager to do. organize you? How long will it take you now? How, lo- how many months will you have to slow down your business or weeks till you get organized when you know it's so hard for you to organize I don't know. Take a guess. Six months? Six months. If you hire a manager right away, the manager is going to get everything manager, ma- is going to get everything organized. How long will you be able to run and do everything well? With the manager or without the manager? With the manager. Let's say you do the other side. You hire a manager right away, and the manager will get you organized. It's their job to organize your desk, organize your list, follow up. How long will you be able to then ha- run the business? How long it will take for me to start run the to business? Start the business if you get a manager. Okay. Asking you a time. So let's go. Your first option is you don't hire a manager. You get yourself organized, and in six months you can start the business. If you hire a manager today, 
And the manager's job is to get you organized. How long till you can start? Three months. Three months. And in that three months, what will be the difference if you have to, let's, let's take option A, where you wait six months. What are the chances that you won't be organized in six months because it's your hardest point, it's your biggest weakness? Can six months be a lot more? Can six months turn into a year? Yes. Exactly. That's the problem when we're hitting our biggest weakness. When we hit our biggest weakness, we sometimes need help. So what, that's, what this business coach was telling you is hire a uh, manager. In three months, you'll start a business and you'll be up and running. But if you're going to have to fight your own weakness, it can take you several months or a year. Now, if you hear it that way, what choice might you take? Hire a manager. Yeah. Now, let's go into the reason why you don't want to hire a manager. Can I take a guess? Um, let me see. Okay. Tell me if you allow me to take a guess why you're not hiring the manager. Yes, of course. I'm going to tell you what I did. So let me first say what, what you think. All right. So my guess is because you might pay someone for three months and not know if they'll work out well or if anything is going to happen. And why should you do that if you don't know how everything's going to work out? You don't want to take such a great risk. It's true. And I did hire a manager in already three months, and I'm still... I feel I'm still, I'm still at A. That's right. I didn't. Bingo. That, there you go. So the fear is why we don't want to hire someone is because we're afraid. What will I get? Maybe nothing is going to turn out. Nothing is going to work out from that. And meanwhile, I just laid out all the money, and the manager won't do anything. Correct? Yes. I can't say she didn't do anything, but I Not feel you expected. that... You expected to have a full-fledged business in three months, and it's three months, and you barely got anything done. Yes, true. How did I know that? I don't know. You this tell is me. The most classical difficulties when someone opens up a business and when you hire employees and when you don't have benchmark goals, what you want to reach. The biggest need when you hire someone is we set up benchmarks. And that's where that business coach is meant to help you out. I'm hiring a manager. Tell me the goals, and by week two, we have to be at a certain place. By week six, we need to be in a certain place. And if we're not there, then we don't want to do it. So how, how long would you give for a manager? Them, we, what? How long would you give for a manager to, it's not about to the be manager. up and running? That's where you have the business coach for. I want to change it from the manager to a business coach. It's your business coach where you're supposed to be discussing these benchmarks. Yes, it's true. We did discuss it with him, but I but felt like... Weekly to the, did you go weekly? Um, well, you know, we should. No, we didn't. That's we the way it goes. The, the business coach is meant to keep you focused. What's your target? And many times you go to the business coach with your manager. This is the goal. We're hiring you to be on top of me. I'm a big dreamer. You've got to push me. My wife was recently went to a Sheitelmacher, and I love the way she told me the story. And she was at the Sheitelmacher, and my wife said, could you please do the, you know, the wig just before the nine days? And the Sheitelmacher says, okay, fine. And the secretary, which was hired to be her manager as well, said, no, you are not going to take the wig. My wife says, oh, please, it's right before the nine days. We want to do it. And the lady says, okay, fine. Remember, she's a business owner. She wants to do it. But the secretary said, absolutely not. Last night you were up the entire night, and you're not taking this wig. You're falling apart. You're not doing it. And she told my wife, no, she's not doing it. Do you understand when people are hired, you can be the boss, but in certain areas you've got to let go of control 
and let the manager, whoever's supposed to be the manager, be the manager. And this is a large part what the this is in large part what the manager is supposed to help you out to organize. It's not that I didn't give it over right for the manager. That's why she's not. Well, imagine um, you're, would you get would you take a job where you're working three months and you're doing nothing? Where's your manager? No. If someone's hired as a manager, they should want to move. They should say, "What am I doing here?" It depends what you did. That's again why you hire a business manager. That's almost like a family systems theory, and that's what they do. A manager when they bring in the employees. What's your goal? Do you realize if you don't produce anything or if the business isn't growing, you're fired? Do you want to have a job? Don't you think you should be asking the boss, please give me jobs? And this is just a little bit, we just want to give people a little bit of awareness. Rav Nissen, what do you say? Because you run a big company and you've got employees under you. What do you say to this question? I think that uh, it's, it's a richer point that uh, uh, the lady has to give her the priority and the give, give out. You know, I remember myself as a, as a young officer in the, in the Navy, and I had a sudden uh, inspection. Let's say that my my officer come to check my unit, and yep. he, he start looking around and looking around. Start, and he told me uh, three. He said three type of officers to a commander have. One is that he knows very excellent all the material, and the soldier don't know nothing. Second is uh, the officer that. The East soldier knows everything and the officer doesn't know nothing. And the third one, that basically East soldier knows and he knows. And this is priority. I think this is something that you have to, to understand, to take on in consideration that when you are hire somebody and you have to give him the authority to run, and you, you have to know what your weakness. I wouldn't take any job today if I don't know to do it myself and... To find it myself, but I am not doing it. I'm not doing the, the job myself. I give to the workers. I feel to the guy that is responsible. I give. You have to to, to see that it's around, it's Moshe Rabenu. He had the same situation. He find that all the time is uh, people around him. And what happened is uh, father-in-law Yitro come to him and said, "Listen, make a laws. You know everything has to go to uh, you know other people. The small stuff will go to the the, the lower rank, and they, then the big stuff will go to the big higher rank, and then to come to you. So this is the the idea that when you run a business, run the business like this. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? It's uh not easy, you know. It's easier said than done. It's it's e- yeah. It's not easy to release because I th- it of seems course. like it seems like that you're really really stubborn and a position to take control all all, all, all over. That's you know, it. it's I would I would say a freak control. I'm sorry that I'm using yeah, the language. Yeah, make, a little gentler mm-hmm. words on you. It's about learning to let go. It's about having the manager help. It's about making that manager responsible. You're working for three months. These are the goals. And are you allowed? Are you allowing someone to be on top of you? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I listen to all the um, lectures, um, yeah. there's also one thing that I was sometimes confused that I didn't know when what, what to make my decision. Um, you're saying in a few places that there are going to be time you're going to have to be up till late at night to finish everything. And my question is, where do you draw the line that it's enough is enough? How much do you put in the effort to be um, more at work? And when you know it's enough, 
I got you. So these are one of those questions where the answer is depending on where we need an evaluation. That means that's where you have your business coach, where the business coach sees you, works with you, and then, and then can evaluate what's happening. So you need to know, is it once? Is it twice? Is it happening all the time? That's exactly what we need to know and what we need to take care of. So if you're working all the time late at night, that's not good. But you've got to be able to do it at deadlines. For deadlines, you can deal with it. So when you've got a deadline, like you're, let's say you've got that three months, you would have worked out with your, supervisor, with your manager what you're going to be doing for, in three months, and all of a sudden you're two and a half months is two weeks to go, that's when you do work late at night. Yes, that's when you do push yourself. That is something that's definitely true. That is Before the deadline, it's going to be always. No, that's ADD. Good. Thank you for your question and appreciate that. We are going to go to Mrs. L. Mrs. L, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello. Yes, how are you? Hi, how are you? With Baruch Hashem, how are you? Oh, Baruch Hashem, amazing. Thank you for asking. And my question is... Um, I don't know if it's considered a show question or it's just a question in general. I'm married for like a few months and... I just want you to be aware that we're on air and we don't really yeah. remove questions, so please... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just want you to be aware some of these people call up panicky, please remove it, so we're on public. Right, right, it's true. Great. So, um, basically, my husband, he went through a trauma in his childhood. Yeah. And... You know, I, I always heard this theory, like, people, they go, they go through traumas and their emotions, you know, become locked and they don't know how to deal with emotions because they kind of set up a strong um, barrier for it. But I always, like, you know, I chose, like, not to believe in that because I, I always gave it, like, uh, I always wouldn't think that, that it pertains to everybody, you know, maybe Of some, course. Some Everyone people. thinks their case is different or this person that they know is different. Yes. That is normal. I hear you very, um... I can't really hear you. You don't hear me? Is it Very better well. now? Hello? Okay, yeah. Okay, I guess I'll do that. Um, yeah. So basically, so I find this is, uh, you know, I... You know, well, I, I don't want to, like, push, but, like, you what, never believed what should that I do? Go to a trauma like, could affect the case? What is your yeah. question? Let me ask you, what's your question? My question is, I can I can tell a person, let's say my even if it's my husband, he, we're not open with it yet. Like I I didn't discuss it with him that I feel like he that he's complete his emotions are completely blocked. Mm-hmm. But it's like lasting for a very long time, and like I don't know what to do next. Like well, the next step is you go to your Kala teacher or to his Chassan teacher, and you open up to them and you tell them, look, I know you learned with him. These are some difficulties that I'm experiencing. This is normal. I want you to know you're not the first one to come up with this. This is very normal. This is something they hear all the time. But it might, for some reason, like, I think that in the public, he, I guess he puts up a show that he's very, um... That's not, let, let's, let's slow back, let's slow down a second. You're, do you think you're the first one to say I'm married? And after a couple of months, my husband is very close, or vice versa, and the wife or the, or the husband will say, my wife is very close. Do you think you're the first person? First, let's establish that. I don't think so. But... Good. Now, hold on. What do you think all those other people did? 
I treat every case as individualized and say, can't really... Okay. Good. So what do you think they did to individualize to those individual cases? Some people you can tell a husband teacher or anybody else, but I think it was... I don't think I'll be okay if I tell a husband teacher Okay, so do you think your husband's parents are someone you like, speak to? Are you a parent? Are you a parent or your husband's parents someone to speak to? Sorry? Can I hear you? Who else can you speak to? Oh, Let's understand. It. You're not equipped to deal with it alone. You, you could. You can try discussing it. The first step is discuss it with your husband. What happened? Did you tell me, you know, I feel you're emotionally closed? Did you try that? I'm sorry. By the way, take that back. The first step I would say is speak to your husband. Have you told your husband we're married for a few years? Um, please. I mean, a few months. I feel we're not connecting. What does he respond to that? I don't think I'll be able to handle that. Like Why not? Much. That's a normal conversation that a couple has. You start talking, you're married a while, and you start bringing it up. You know, I'm looking for more emotions. To find he can't handle that, what will happen? He will yell. He will fall apart. What will he do? It's going to be... Is that... Are you afraid to bring up issues? Is this now your issue from your past coming into a marriage where you're afraid to bring up difficulties? or something that might have a fight, or someone might be sensitive? I feel like I know that I could bring it up no issue, because I have no issues with like bringing up emotions. I'm more of an open person. But Notice that you're, you're saying that, but I'm not hearing you able to do that. What's your concern I think it's, to bring it's just it up? between me and with him and me, and it's not... I, like, if there's something less like... I need something like more light, not so much that your emotions are black. Period. You know, it's a little bit too much. You're, you're not giving me information how to help. You're not telling me the problem. I understand we're on here that you can't do that. But what I'm trying to say is the way is you need to connect to the person. How open are you? Were you ever able to tell a friend, you know something, you did something, and it hurts me or it bothers me? Can you be direct to someone? Or are you um, always yeah, afraid uh, how they're yeah. going to react and you're always feeling for their feelings? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I'm, That's right. So let's take a I'm, step back. Before we go to your husband's issue, let's start with yours. You will right. keep things bottled up. They will explode within you before you even give a hint. And, you are, and you're assuming he's a mind reader and he's able to read your body language. And he could tell that you're upset and you're expecting him to know exactly what's going on by you. Does that make sense? Is that many times the way you think? This is how it is. <laughs> exactly. So I would like you to know your husband's got no idea what is going on in your mind right now. And he might be speaking to his chasen teacher or to his parents, and go, I don't know what's with her. She's so quiet. She's bottled up. She's not sharing anything. So let's first try to flip it around. Let's switch it from your husband's to switch it to you. That when something bothers you, you don't have the tools how to work it out right now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, yeah, makes sense. Okay, so now what are you going to do about it? What I'm going to do, I just want to make sure that I don't bring it up. I, I, oh, I need <laughs> wrong answer. The answer goes exactly <laughs> the other way. You want to bring it up right away. Right. But I have to know how to. I don't want to. Now, you see, now, now I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to take it personal, because I just mean in general. Do you see how you cooled up saying that your husband's got an issue and we're able to flip it around to you? 
Now, we're not saying you know your husband I, doesn't I, I, have I an issue. I can see that you're saying that's my part, but I tell you, I never had an issue with um, bringing up any emotions with any of my siblings or with... Of course, I had it once or twice in my lifetime saying it's just normal. You know, you don't always feel like just saying everything in every stage of being blunt. But I feel like I never, ever had this issue with bringing up any emotions. I'm the opposite. I'm, like, too emotional sometimes. Like I, I know that, sometimes. but what happens if you got someone that doesn't speak your subconscious languages, your hints, so you're not talking, and all of a sudden your parents are just asking, what's bothering you? What happens when you marry someone else has got a different set of rules? That's what marriage is about. So that's that. So that's the thing. That's why I'm like I don't know how to go about it. I don't, I don't know. That's the right. Language. Now let's understand. This it. isn't your husband's issue right now. This is your issue. I'd like you to call up. Let's re- replay this question now, going as follows. Hi, I'm married for several months, and in my family, when I didn't bring up issues, there was a way they knew something was bothering me, and they would get it out of me. Now I'm married to someone that doesn't know my languages, and I have a very difficult time bringing up emotions. How do I get help? How do I learn to talk? How do I learn communication? Right. Do you notice how we just made this your problem? Yeah. Okay. I, as long as I can help, as long as I That's know right. I, 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 it makes sense. It could be. I'm saying it makes sense that it's my, that I don't know how to bring up the so, emotions. Uh-huh. So what we want to focus on is that the main point over here is right now getting you to talk. So now my question is to you, what will teach you that bringing up information, bringing up issues to your spouse is healthy? And that's what he's waiting for, and not waiting for others to bring it up. You know, but what should I do now? Cause Don't I tell me that. Like... No, no, I want you to answer that question, that specific question. Okay, fine. What I can, can bring you it up. learn to do to, and to be communicate, to communicate and speak to your spouse? That is the question. What I can do? What um, can you do? Yes. I can just bring it up. Yes? Tell me how. How will it do the role play with me? Discuss it with me. What will you say? Uh, I can just, I guess, sit and like, and I've, you know, just... Discuss it in time that, you know, it's calm and relaxed. No, not discuss. Let's go talk. Let's, let's pretend... I would go, let's pretend I am you. So let's just do a role play. Hi, you know, we're married for a few months, and I noticed that I don't really express my emotions that much, and I keep it bottled up, and I'm someone that likes to express emotions. So is it okay who are if you? I just... Who are you? I'm just confused a little. <laughs> what? You're me, or who are you? I'm, saying, who uh, are no, you I'm, role I'm play? giving you the role play. I'm being you. And oh, what I okay. might do, what you might do, is I'd have ahead of time several things that I write down. You know, you don't call me during the afternoon. You know, sometimes I'd like you just ask me how am I feeling. Sometimes if I'm quiet, you should know that something's bothering me and I'm just afraid to bring it up. Um, I wish you would just sometimes just, just, just send me a little card. Uh, when I make you something special, I give you a snack when you go to coil, when you go to work for you. Just call me up and say thank you. It meant so special to me. I'd like you to make me once lunch, whatever your things are. But you write down a list of them, and then you tell it to him. So the conversation goes as follows. Hi, you know, we're married, Baruch Hashem, for four months or for six months or for, or for a year or for even three years. And I'm a very emotional person. I like when, we, when I can get a lot of emotions out. And in my family, I used to keep quiet. And when I was quiet, then my siblings knew, oh, something is wrong. And now when I'm quiet, you just don't play the game. You have a different set of rules. So what can we do for you 
to know that something's bothering me. And I'll even share with you what's bothering me. Sometimes we go to your parents and you're so busy with your siblings that you don't spend time with me. Whatever it should be. Do you get the concept? Yeah, I get it. It's very, it's, it's okay. It's, it sounds very good. Just the thing is that because I, I definitely did bring up a lot of things that were bothering me, bothering me. I would tell them things that, you know, but I, I was scared to bring out. This was basically the main thing that bothers me. And I was, that point, I was scared to bring up. And I feel like, you know, after all, like, he was, so let's take I a step like back. Like so you have the a difficulty. Hold on. Let's take it back to you. Let's take it to you. You have a fear of bringing up real personal stuff that bother you. Let's take it to so you. I feel like he's tired of hearing things like not the first time, you know? Well, then maybe, though then maybe you need over here someone. Here's again with that Hassan Rebbe or that Kala teacher. If they find out they have some experience, or a Rav that has some experience, we'll just sit you both down together and just teach you the language. It's simple. It's not hard, but you need someone with a little bit of experience in it. Okay, I, I don't think he'll be open for such a thing. He won't. I, I doubt it. Understand? I, wonder... I don't know yet anything about him. As long as I know you're afraid of it, I know he'll definitely not be open to it. And I know having a wife that's not happy is the worst thing to him, but I know you're afraid of it. And as long as you're afraid, it's for sure not going to happen. And again, this isn't therapy. This is creating an awareness. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I could just recommend to you that this is a normal issue that couples have in the Shana Rishayna. And I personally do believe that our, our Hasan and Kala teaching system needs to be updated a little, and I don't mind saying it for free. And I don't mind saying it wherever I can go. And I believe that one month after the wedding, both the Hasan and the Kala has to go back to either the Hasan Rebbe or to the Kala teacher or to someone that they have that's experienced and three months later, and to bring up for about two and a half hours workout, how things working out in many different areas. And there will always be one or two people that will have some issue that's going on or a pain that's going on that needs to be discussed. So I believe it's not just your issue. I believe this is an issue that our system needs to have. And Mert Hashem, one day, it's, you know, in the near future, it will happen that way. So if you would have had, imagine it would be mandatory that three months after the wedding, you get to speak a little first, let's say, to that Hassan Rebbe, and then your husband does, and then you both sit together. Don't you think this issue would have come up? And if there's a little issue, and then you just come back ten days later, is it resolved? Does it still need to be a little bit more resolved? Mm-hmm. These issues doesn't even need a therapist. You don't have problems. This is a normal couple's issue. Normal. And those couples that don't get it done right away, unfortunately, many times it could be... Lots of times. Many times it could be lots of times. Years later, this same little issue was still eating you up and eating them up. That's why I'm saying reach out to a chassan rebbe or to your college teacher. That's simple. This is simple to work out. This isn't advanced couple session. This is a normal two people getting married, being together with different styles, different family. This is how it is. It's normal to have this issue. And it's also normal to be able to work it out. This doesn't take any therapist skills. This is someone that just has a little training, a little experience. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have Thank you for the day. awareness. I feel this is such an amazing question that you asked, and you're so brave to bring it up. So I really want to thank you for that. I just had and no choice. Go no choice. Mr. I just had to. I was, like, so desperate for, you know, yeah, I want you to know, even just speak to your cow teacher. Just open up to her and just speak to her. Just open up to someone. I don't know if you're close to your parents. 
open up to your parents. You just don't want to get parents involved where they start speaking to your husband. Like, definitely have your parents to know that you're keeping things in. They might even be able to help you and coach you a little. I'm a big believer. I just am not a believer when the parents get involved at the hands-on. means tell your parents that you can't get the emotions out. They might even recommend that you speak to the college teacher or to someone else or maybe the Rebbitson or the Rav of your, or someone that your husband values, and we'll just speak to you, and they know how to do it. Like, hi, we just want to speak to both of you, see how marriage is working out, and then bring it up. Well, you know, your husband's keeping it in as well. All I'm saying is reach out. Don't keep it swallowed. You don't have to be the only one. You don't have to keep it in and think this is what life's about. No, it's very, very workable. And we are going to Mr. Y. You're on with Mordechai and Herb Nissim. Yes, hello? Yes, Shalom Aleichem. Yeah, hi. First, I would like to thank you for this uh, Gewaldige program. I mean, your voice is <clears throat> almost daily in my house, every day for an hour or two. Yeah, my kids love it. It creates a lot of uh, awareness. And, it's, and they enjoy it. My wife enjoys it. And it's Mamash Gewaldik. So keep Thank it up. Thank you. I'm honored. <clears throat> yes. Uh, then I have a small question. I mean, <clears throat> they would like to ask, but uh, I guess still have to work on the confidence. Okay. Um, so we we speak uh, any suggestions about it. Um, we speak Yiddish at home. Yeah. It's the first language. And... Um, with the friends, they have to speak English because to speak Yiddish is a little bit yanti, uh, as they say. I don't get why. If you have friends and you're in your kahila, you speak the language. I speak English in my house and I don't speak Yiddish. If someone's from Israel, then they speak Hebrew. If yeah, but Hebrew, by the girls, there's such a thing. They want to feel sticky, and they feel that it's sticky to speak English. So I would love they should hear what kind of message would be appropriate, they should hear, they should be confident and proud to speak the language, that everybody, it would be easier for all the girls to speak Yiddish, because basically at home everybody speaks Yiddish. So if they come to school, everybody has to, quote-unquote, play the game as if they are more sophisticated, so they want to speak English. <laughs> but it's now, basically a game. Hold on, let's take your question, because your question happens to be a very cultural, sensitive question. Which means in the Yiddish-speaking Kehillus, those houses where they speak Yiddish, it's actually almost not acceptable to speak English, and they don't want people speaking English. It's, so it's, it's basically it's easier Yiddish. We speak Yiddish. I know that, but you're saying it's sticky to speak English, and from exactly. what my experience is, speaking English in the schools, in the Hasidic schools, is actually not acceptable. I don't find it sticky from my experience. I find yeah. they look at, down at it, and they're upset at it. Yeah, the, the, the administration is, isn't happy with it, That's but right. they still do it. You want me to teach your kids how to do something that the administration of the Kehillah doesn't think is healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know Basically. if I want to do that. I usually try to help people to fit in into their Kehillah. No, for kids. So I would like to, what message should I give them? They should be confident and proud to speak Yiddish. Yiddish. Ah, that's easier and more comfortable and for them. As follows. That's a great question. Not and the other good, way around. Question. So your question is that when some of the people, let's say, in your kahila, which they want to act sticky or, let's say, go out of the boundaries, exactly. speak something that's not permitted, like to speak in English, and you want your kids to feel proud that they are speaking Yiddish. And they would, they would do it. That's it's right. easier for them. That's right. That's right. 
And what I usually recommend to my kids or to my family or even to me, even to me myself, that is to remember that whichever kahila you're in, and I don't even use the word kahila, whichever community you're in, because even by the Goyim they have it, the teenagers always want to break those rules. That means that in the Galatia world, they're upset. Why can't you do even take the dress code? It used to be that teenagers had to, or even kids had to have like a, a school uniform. Then they said school uniforms isn't good enough. Like we can't be free. So then they changed uniforms to different levels. Whatever level is in society, people always, teenagers especially, want to push it to the next level. The elders of the society see the need and see why a system is important. And there's usually the give and take where they pick the fight or they pick the battles that let this be the battle, but the next level is strong. And exactly. we've got to learn how to balance it out. So now what you want to explain, what I explain to my kids are as follows. I understand that this is the shtick. Let's see if we can come up with a different place where you can be a little out of the box, which is considered okay in society. So let's keep English as speaking Yiddish. Don't speak English. You want to feel cooler, what else can we do to feel cooler? And you want to teach them that those people that always follow society are like those people out of the box that don't have the strength within themselves. They're always following those people, and they always find that they don't feel good and peace within themselves. That means we need to know that the trend and the strength all comes from within us. Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. So let's go take both levels. I'd like to share it with you again because I feel it's an important question. So let's understand what we'll tell the kids. First step is, I understand you. Of course you want to be sticky. Of course you want to have that shtick because you want to fit in, and the cool girls are doing that. I understand that, and that makes sense. Now, let's also understand that if we're always going to be going with what society wants out or different, and society, teenagers always want, there's always someone's going to be fighting the system, yeah. then we're never going to have peace because those people are always fighting or those people are trying to follow those that are always fighting. It's what do I feel comfortable with? How do I want to feel sticky? And maybe you want to feel sticky doing the rules of the system. I can feel sticky speaking Yiddish. I can feel good speaking Yiddish. And the Beautiful. same is with whatever it should be. I can feel good sitting in a learning. I can feel good what, whatever the other st- stuff are. I can sit... I can be proud of studying and saying, no, I am not those people that don't study. I'm someone that does study. Beautiful, beautiful. And now when they are leaders, they will find people that are leaders like them. They'll find other people that agree with them. So there's the concept that we always use, and I call the silent majority. It's not me. It's a concept out there. Silent majority means that there are those couple of loud mouths that they always say, we're going to do this, say, oh, this is horrible. Most of the people disagree, but they'll remain quiet. Yes. And there's a famous test called the ASH Conformity Test. What that was a study, what they did was a brilliant study. They had like seven people in the room, and they had put, let's say, a long line, and then let's say one was a long line, the second one was even a longer line, and the third was the shortest line. And they had person number one go, which is the longest line? And number one would say three, which is really the shortest. And the guy number six in the row is going, what, is he crazy? And then they asked number two, which is the longest line? They'd go number three, line three. When it comes to his turn, number six, guess what number he'll say? The one that most people said, because he doesn't want to feel different. Even though he knows it's wrong, it was called the Ash Conformity Test, and they found people just followed even if they disagreed or it wasn't true. And what we want to tell our children is 
do we want to be like those people that are just following? Or I have in the book of Alive, you know, the book that I came out with Alive, A 10-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life, that are you just going to follow like the monkeys that people just did it? Or will you actually recognize and see that you can, yourself can be a leader? And that's the goal that we want our children to recognize. Uh-huh. But they're, they, they're scared. Yeah, yeah, the message is good, but they, they, that's where confidence come in, comes in, because a lot of times such kids are scared that everybody is going to laugh at them, you know? That's when they bring right. in the lunch, most, peop- most people. kids want to eat it. Yes, that's the first true. Child and, now says, <laughs> them. and now you start teaching them within yourself. Look at things that I did. Now, it's easy. If you follow all the Mishigasana and you want them not to, something else, but can you share what you did not follow? I can yeah. share with my children a list of places where society or people did something I did not follow. I can also share with them where I did follow. We want to teach balance. Mm-hmm. And if you can show in your life where you didn't just follow because they did it, then that will show them my conscience has to be at ease. I spoke it over. And you might even tell them, I want to reward you. Because I know it's so hard, I will yeah. take you and four best friends out somewhere, or Mommy will take you out somewhere. You want Beautiful. to reward them, and you want to explain to them, and you want to share with them a place in your life where you have that. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Thank it's, you. Uh, I very thoughtful, and I really appreciate your line. Thank question. you. This is a question that people have all the time when they don't want their daughters to be certain friends with certain ones, or they don't want their kids to go certain places. Everyone does that, or whatever it should be, having to go to the bungalow colony or not going. It's but the, everyone is doing it. You have to buy certain clothing style. We're not talking about halacha now or minhagen. We're just talking about because everyone's buying these expensive clothing. Do you want to do it or don't you want to do it? <coughs> and to be at peace, if you always follow, you will never be at peace in life. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very good. Great. You're welcome. And we are going to go to Ms. J. Ms. J. You're on. First of all, what do you say to that? Both. <laughs> To this, to this question, like, how do you tell the kids when the cool kids are doing something out of what's accepted in your kahilo or in your way? How do you, what do you tell the kids when they're embarrassed not to do it or they're afraid kids will make fun of them for that? I, I think that, uh, first of all, as, as a kid, I remember myself, again, I'm just talking about myself, yeah. that when I was a kid, and my, in my house was speaking uh, quite a few languages, you know. My father yeah. was speaking 11 languages, my, ni- my mother 9. And he used to speak with him, and in Israel was very, very strict, you know, everybody was only Hebrew, only at the beginning of Israel, yeah. and nobody else. We was very, very ashamed about our parents that are speaking different languages. Yeah. And now I see how, how silly I was, you know, and not to learn, Baruch Hashem, I, I grabbed some uh, few words. Yeah. But uh, I said that when we teach our kids to be proud what we're doing and not be ashamed not be things you know that and they get it the right way is no question that there will be benefit and just show you know if we feel you know terrible about it and that's so we reflect it on our kids and try to work with you know our kid that is is to be proud to give you know it's exactly like as you said before you know you go with the yamaka in the street you go with the pairs you go with long dress you have to give them the 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 right uh, uh, approach that is, is to be proud what they're doing what what we are belong to you know in the army yeah. you have you have the, the the barrette you know the green the blue and all this stuff so when you go on the street you have to feel that uh, you know so if, if you teach the kids 
to come and understand that they know another language and a very very holy language that is very important and it's part of the, the, the tradition a part of the history of our nation this is I think it's give you a, a beautiful uh, opening to the kids yeah 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 Excellent. So we'll go to Miss J. Miss J. Miss J, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissim. And the number to call, I guess we'll be able to take maybe one more question after, is 718-683-5858. Hello? J, you're on with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. Okay, first, um, I can't hear you so clearly. It's like since I got connected on the line, you like sort of faded out. So okay. I'm hearing you very low. So if I can okay. hear you, I'm sorry. Yeah, several people have said that. Okay, so um, my question is like this. I wanted to know what, like, where do you, I know, like, where the line, um, where to draw the line when, like, I'm trying to help somebody that, like, they like very much to help other people. So my question is, like, where the line draws between, like, just helping other people or when they become codependent on other people? Is this a question for you or you're asking it for someone else? I was discussing it with someone else, and we were trying to clarify it. I'm trying to, like, clarify it to someone else, basically. When people ask theory, it's very difficult. No, it's not a theory. I was trying to help someone else with an issue that they were having. And she was saying, like, I'm just trying to help them out. And, like, I was saying, no, this is, like, not right. So you are trying to teach them how much to help. What? You're trying to teach them that you're... You feel, let's say there's A, B, and C... You're A, your friend is B, and helping someone else C. So you are trying to tell B you're pushing too much. You're helping someone too much. you got to back out. Like you're and stepping on your own toes to help the other person, basically. Yeah. Well, the answer is very simple. How do you know when someone's codependent and when you're helping healthy? Is it coming on your cheshben, on your family's cheshben, on time that's not healthy to give A? And B, can you say no? Can you stop? Can you disconnect? when it stops being beneficial, when you need to slow down. Is your friend helping at times when she should be spending time with her kids or she should be spending time with her husband or she should be preparing? Does her conversations helping the other person... So let's say she would cancel a trip to the grocery because someone else asked if they could call, like she could do something with that person. That's like codependence? Again, canceling a trip to the grocery when you could go right after is no big deal. If you enjoy it, it's no big deal. But what happens if they don't go now, if they go with that person, they'll have to go later, schlep down with the kids? Right. What happens if this happens a couple of times? If it happens once, it's not a problem. But what happens if it happens all the time? Codependent people can't say no. Therefore, they're doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that? So I help many people, and I go out of my way many times. And when I need to say no... Or when I know it's on the time my family, I've got to do that as well. The balance. Can you say no? That's one of the biggest secrets. Right. So that depends if the person can say no or not. That's and right. Like, the if, person if, can say no, and is it happening on her family time? Means if, let's say once, remember, we're all going to do chesed. We're all going to go out of our way. Out of our way is a Yiddish Shemitah. Right. But are you going always out of your way, then now... Maybe you look at your family with that same chesed, with that same need. Right. So now if this friend B is, like, always helping friend C, and 
Um, is it on friends B's family's husband? I'm not talking about a family husband. I'm talking more like if I say friend B like does things for friend C and like friend C like sort of like um, isn't so nice back to her. I, I mean, whatever. That's I don't want to reveal too question. much information. Now, the, now there's an next, but friend B might look at it as the ultimate schar. I'm helping someone. I'm getting back business. There's no greater schar. And if friend B has a healthy self-esteem, why not? Go ahead. That's the ultimate No, she looks at it more like nebuch. This person's such a nebuch. Like she doesn't have anyone else and whatever, whatever. Okay, that's a choice. That still could be chesed. But when it's time to say now it's not chesed anymore, can she stop? Mm-hmm. Or she has to speak to her. Or if I don't speak to her, she has no one else. Or friend B is now in a stress after she speaks to friend B. Well, she can never say no because she doesn't have anyone else. Uh, if Now you just hit the words codependent. B, once B can't say no, then it's not chesed anymore. Uh-huh. And it's weakness. So it's only as long as she can say no, that's how long it's, when it's, it's healthy, a healthy relationship. When it's healthy, the halacha tells you how much tzedakah to give. And I'm not going to tell you, each one speak to your of. Halacha tells you that if friend C tells friend B to be Machal Shabbos, would they do it? No. No, because there's a balance. So the same way we see in the Torah, there's a balance and everything there is balance. When you can't have balance, when you don't have anything help, when you can't say no, that's when you're codependent. And then we even need to know if you're going to get scar for that, because many times you're keeping the other person in the weakness, in the sickness. So such a type of codependence, like this person has to go through therapy, or there's other ways to help that person? Uh, now you just hit. I've never seen that. That's why I asked you the first question. Are you calling about yourself or for another one? Because now you've got, you're asking me to speak about someone else. I don't even know you. I don't know anything about your friend. And you want me to even give advice now about a diagnosis and what type of therapy, if needed, or anything. What I would tell you is to have her listen to some of the programs that we have on codependence on being able to say no. And... Um, then, then you'll decide. See if your friend first. You see, you've already gone into the level. Does your friend need therapy? Who said your friend? Because needs because you mentioned problem? so many times that codependence needs therapy that I just like thought like I don't know maybe codependence always needs therapy. To, let's <laughs> understand. Let's see the chain over here. You are trying to tell B they have a problem when B is denying that they have a problem. B is trying to help C when C is denying they have a problem. Notice how everyone's busy with the other one. That was why I asked you right away. Is this question about you or about a friend? Because whenever we get questions about friends, we get stuck into it. So now let me take it to you. What's your difficulty with being able to have your friend let go? Let go. Let your friend... Because it hurts me that she, ah, that she can do that. Here we go. Now we go. So now you're sounding a little codependent here. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Bingo. So now we take the question to you. So what's happening is... You are pained when your friend is getting caught up in a trap of someone that's not healthy. Because she sometimes hurts herself to do that. That's right, because you see how B is hurting herself, and it eats you up. So now A gets eaten up when B is in pain from helping C. Right. So now would you so I'm codependent on her too? Would you say that you're a little codependent, that you're not able to let go and allow your friend to go through the process? B might have to get hurt over and over, and maybe even for 10 years till she'll finally learn to say, you know what, let me stop. And maybe by you being able to tell friend B, you know something, don't speak to me about this. Let's talk about everything else, but your relationship with friend C, I don't want to hear that. Maybe by you modeling health and stability is what will actually help your friend learn that. And maybe it'll take two years of you modeling health. So I should just rather let her figure it out on her own, you think? Of course. 
Yes, yes. And with that note, we've got to go. We've finished the time over here. I'd like to thank everyone for calling in. All right, you thank you. The last questions were fantastic. And our thank you for another wonderful week and another program. Hatzlacha and siyata deshmaya. May we all be zeichet to have a wonderful and a continued safe summer. Amen. Thank you.